Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with teammates Kayleen Holden and Aaliyah Kamalova. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Today's episode is all about the unimportance of being liked. We'll even hear from an expert on this topic, Alicia Menendez, the recent author of The Likeability Trap, as well as an anchor at MSNBC. That's right. And we'll also be answering your listener questions in our new segment, Dear Career Contestant where we also have some helpful resources that you won't want to miss. And now, this is The Females. All right, well, Aliyah and Kayleen, we should start by having you guys introduce yourselves since you are new Mm co-hosts and everybody's probably dying to know, like, where did you come from? Those (laughs) listeners are at the edge of their seat. What were those voices? That's Um, not Lauren. Surprise! (laughs) Who is she? I'm Aliyah, and I'm the video producer at Career Contessa, and I produced all the videos so <laughs> very exciting to be on this podcast you're one of the all. few people who has a job title that actually directly <laughs> exactly relates to what, what they do is. exactly yeah. <laughs> it's pretty special <laughs> and i'm kayleen holden i'm the content director here at career contessa all right so i'm really excited about today's topic we've been actually talking a lot about this in the office too because this is a topic that almost all women, I think, at least, can relate to, which is likability and really the double standard that exists that we all experience, that we talk about with our friends. And it just, it's a double standard. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, I actually read Alicia Menendez's book, The Likability Trap. I wrote this article about kind of a little bit of an obsession about being liked at work and kind of was thinking about my own relationship with it, whether or not I you care, care about mm-hmm. being like to work because <laughs> on one hand I'm like no I don't care who cares if you don't like me it's your problem but on the other hand it's like oh no I, I care a lot yeah. yeah so like it's cool to be say that I don't care yeah. but ultimately <laughs> everyone's checking in with themselves and be like do I I know. I do. (laughs) I feel like that's because when you're growing up, you're constantly told, like, ignore them. Don't Mm -hmm. worry what other people think. But you're upset. Like, yeah, you naturally are like, no, no, no. I'm kind of obsessed with what people think or what they like. And now I think it's, did they double tap it? Did I get enough reactions to something? So Mm -hmm. I feel like the likability of something becomes digital also. Yeah. And so that's why on today's episode, we're going to be discussing two things. One, what's wrong with needing to be liked at work? And two, how to let go of that need to be liked. So let's get into it. So the big question is, what's wrong with wanting to be liked at work? 
Great question. And as we mentioned before, I think really a lot of us have experienced the want or need to be liked at work. And we're not just making this up. There was actually a survey conducted by LinkedIn that said men and women are equally likely to describe themselves as quote unquote good at my job or confident in the job. Mm -hmm. It's when they hit the language around likability that we diverge. The survey actually found that, in fact, women are 10% more likely to drop the term likable in a job interview. And here's where the larger issue really comes into play. For women in the modern workplace, yes, like this one we're in right Mm -hmm. now, likability and success rarely come at the same time, which is really sad and depressing. Mm -hmm. And they found that decades of research across institutions like NYU and Princeton have determined that women face unique social penalties for taking well-worn paths to success. So basically, you don't get to be likable and successful yeah. and at I the same time. It's kind of important to qualify here. It's like when we talk about the, like, you don't need to worry about being liked at work. It's not at the detriment of, like, being nice to your coworkers. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, <laughs> like, please be nice. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and then just yeah. be like, well, I'm just being myself. Like, that's right. <laughs> the authentic me. Yeah, but I think what we're talking about is because of this double standard against women, there's a negative correlation when it comes to success and being liked because there's been studies that show that the more likable a woman is, the less likely she's going to succeed in like, I don't know, climbing up a career. Right. And then if she is in a big, you know, like powerful position at a company, then she's usually not liked, mm-hmm. um, which is not the same for men. It's like if you are assertive, then mm-hmm. you get to be successful, quote unquote yeah. successful, move up the ladder. And if you're not assertive, then you're this meek, mild little mouse in the corner that doesn't get moved up because you're not seen as like leadership potential. Yeah, definitely. So that's like, I think what we're talking about when we're saying like, you don't need to be concerned with being liked at work. It's more of that like extra standard that's put on women. I think there's like specific words like that they use to describe women who tend to like be more leadership material, be more maybe like because she's aggressive or she's like a bulldog or Mm -hmm. she's a a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Nice classic one. (laughs) (laughs) Really creative guys. We've never heard that one before. I also think, too, when it comes to success and likability, like we've seen this play out in politics where they talk about like the likability of a candidate and there's been a huge emphasis on the female candidates, you know, and nobody's been talking about, I guess, in the same way that they've talked about the male candidates. And I'm, it, it just it's such a double yeah. standard in, in every industry, not just like corporate world, politics, everything. I bet even in like startups, nonprofits, if we were to expand other you know, smaller work environments Mm -hmm. too. You could probably like run an experiment where you took like a man and a Mm -hmm. woman and had them take like the literal exact same steps. Yeah. And then just to like find the the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. For what that would be like, like, oh, you know, he's so bold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Such a leader. (laughs) She is. Again. I like him. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And I think it's also like it doesn't mean that the work can't get done, too, is like I think that was another thing from the study is that women in positions of power is they weren't like necessarily people didn't think they couldn't do the job right. or were less than the men, but they just weren't as likable, which is like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because to get work done, you have to be able to work well with others and collaborate. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
this is the mystery just still exists for me because you need to be likable and nice and collaborative and communicate on you know a decent level I feel like to get stuff done Mm -hmm. I've had bosses that are women that I like who are assertive but I think I think that's rare and Mm -hmm. I feel like probably that I was maybe the minority in that feeling yeah I think I kind of gravitate to women like that on purpose because I know that like they're just like super like getting shit done and yeah. like no time yeah. to mess around exactly yeah. and like I totally understand people's like prejudices against that and I right. just think it's cooler like when a woman in a big like I don't know management or boss position is like just, I don't care <laughs> but but also a question would be do you like that because you don't see it very often that's pro- yeah it probably is that yeah. I think it is like a biased knowledge because I know about this phenomenon so yeah. to me I'm like that's cool right like, <laughs> right I'm sure a lot of her colleagues who are equal level who are men probably aren't like, don't think it's that cool. cool. <laughs> I was enthused by it. It's cool. And I'm just like, cool. Just <laughs> I want to be her. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can only imagine like how much more you get done if you could just like fully like do away with that thought of like, oh, am I, you know, am I being too yeah. enough like maybe exclamation points in my email or mm-hmm. if you could just like not care, like not be burdened by that at all. There is a book basically talks about how women do spend like hours of their lifetime overthinking and analysis paralysis yeah I know shocking (laughs) Um, about like how they reacted to something you know thinking about something after the fact or you know how are they going to respond basically just in their own head thinking a lot a lot way more than men for sure which maybe maybe that also plays into this is that women when it comes to being likable we're also we're we're like trying so hard Mm -hmm. to be likable but not that likable but like maybe we're over almost overthinking it Mm -hmm. And I, I know it's funny because I always say this in our meetings sometimes. I'll be like, I don't know. I could just be overthinking this thing. Mm-hmm. And like I do that all the time just with like business stuff. I can't even ma- – I mean I also probably do it with likability. But could we just be our own worst enemy, mm-hmm. I guess, is kind of the weird well, question. Well, that's another thing is like how far back does this feeling come from? And it's probably from a very early age yes. as girls if you have like – I mean a traditional thing is like women have to second guess a lot of things they yeah. talk about or girls. So I feel like that's just ingrained in you and you take it into the workplace. So it's like, it's really hard to break out of that. Mm-hmm. There was that, I think in a previous season of The Females, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you spoke to Reshma Sajani about yep. that. And yeah. she was saying like from a very young age, I think she said like the age of eight, you realize that at the playground even, they're telling boys like, get rough and tumble, get dirty. And they're like, to the girls, they're like, make sure your dress doesn't get dirty. Be really nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, that's what you, I mean, that that's huge. Yeah. To, yeah have that ingrained when you're like a little kid and you don't even know what you're hearing or what kind of impact it's going to have on absolutely society is telling girls from a young age like be polite Mm -hmm. consider other people's feelings and boys don't get that message Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're just boys (laughs) they're supposed to rough house (laughs) it is really crazy that that's more or less the entire explanation it's like they're just boys and like as I grow back yeah that's true like I didn't even really second guess for a second now it's like wait <laughs> that doesn't make your eight-year-old son was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> yeah. the research does not show that you should be talking to me like that." Yeah, <laughs> like really the, the girls today are going to be like responding like that. It's Honestly, like at home. I hope so. Actually, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie has a really great quote on this, and I'm reading this off a of paper, so I don't mess this up. If you start thinking about being likable, you are not going to tell your story honestly because you are going to be so concerned with not offending, and that's going to ruin your story 
So forget about likability. So there you have it. I feel like yeah. you hear it from her. So yeah. just spoken. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the key to it is it's not about like whether to be kind or not to, or to be, you know, decent mm-hmm. or not. It's when your preoccupation with likability just butts heads with like all of your ideas. It's like when you're in a meeting and something like wrong is going on mm-hmm. and you're like, well, if I speak up, I'm going to start such a kerfuffle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just not worth it. Yeah. I really like the word kerfuffle. <laughs> I don't know where that you came from. waiting to use that word. Um, yeah. You're, you're, pre, you're preoccupied with thinking about your likability before you respond mm-hmm. to stuff. And on the flip side of that, there are some people who obviously don't have any filter and they respond too quickly. So there is like yeah. a happy middle ground here. I actually sat down with Alicia Menendez, as we've mentioned, author mm-hmm. of The Likeability Trap. And she shared with us about her own relationship with likability, which I think paints like a very realistic picture mm-hmm. for other women. Plus, she really described what the trap is among these other traps. So let's take a listen to what Alicia says. I have always cared a lot about being well-liked. And I think what is sort of funny for me, and I think there are a lot of people who deal with this, is that I both care a lot about being well-liked and feel this real pull always towards being myself. So in as much as I care what others think about me and always, of course, want to make other people feel good in my presence, I also have trouble attenuating myself to match the circumstances all the time. I was that girl who sort of was always front of the class, hand raised. And I remember getting messages very early that I needed to tone it down and hem it in. And I knew really early that that felt like a conflicting message because on one hand, I was told, you know, you can do anything, you can be anything go for it. And on the other hand, I was getting these messages, sometimes subtle, not so subtle, that I was bossy and that I needed to be careful about the way that I was pursuing the things that I wanted to pursue. And I just remember as a kid being really confused by that, right? Like not understanding why it was a problem that I always wanted to raise my hand, always wanted to be called on, always wanted to be the team leader. I understand it now. But at the time, it felt like I was getting two conflicting messages. And I think what's so complicated for women is that that doesn't stop in middle school. That basically continues our entire lives. Yeah, I was going to say women here our entire lives, you know, be nice, but not too nice. Be successful, but not too successful. Just be likable. And we have no idea what that means exactly, which is probably why you wrote a book called The Likeability Trap. So <laughs> so what what is this trap and why do women care about being liked? Or is this like part of, are we hardwired to need this? Well, we're definitely socialized to need it. We're socialized to care about what others think. There's a really good element of that. I wish more people cared about other people and were more ecocentric than egocentric. Where it becomes a challenge is when we develop a hyper-focus. I think in the workplace for women, there are multiple traps. And because I'm someone who cares so much about being well-liked, I imagine that all women cared and that the ones who didn't care were off, you know, living their best lives. And what I found is whether you care or you don't care, there's still a penalty for women in the workplace. So there's one trap, which is the trap we hear a lot about, that either a woman is told she's too aggressive or she's too meek, and it feels no matter how you lead that you're not doing it right when the truth is our system is set up so that there is no way for a woman to lead in exactly the right way. 
I think another trap is that we're told that we need to be authentic leaders, but women are spending so much time doing this gender correcting performance that there's almost no way to lead authentically. And then, you know, the third trap is that a lot of women, women like myself, were raised to value two things. We were raised to value likability. We were raised to value our ambition and our success, only to realize that those two things are in conflict. And I think very often when we talk about the likability success penalty, we talk about it in terms of wages and promotions and all of that is critically important. What I found living my life and talking to other women is that we're paying an emotional price for trying to pursue two things that our culture has decided are mutually exclusive. Okay, so basically Alicia's research and talking Mm -hmm. to real people also found what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. which is society puts this norm on you and that a lot of women are actually struggling with the being liked and their ambition. Yeah, and it's like more of a systemic problem. I mean, listening to that too, I was like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. (laughs) And I also really identified with her relationship with likability and Mm -hmm. and sort of Mm -hmm. when she was describing, you know, firsthand up in the classroom and you know, be likable, but not too likable and kind of that internal struggle. Like I'm sure people are hearing them. They're thinking, I remember having the same thoughts as a child or like mm-hmm. pretty, pretty early on their memory probably starts with that. Or that word, which I haven't heard since I feel like I was a little kid, bossy. Like, oh, she's yeah. bossy. And yeah. it's like, so what? <laughs> I know. She knows what she wants. <laughs> it still stings to have someone tell you you're bossy too. It doesn't feel very likable. Yeah, and you start being told you're like, I remember like being like, she's bossy when you were like four years old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it's rough being a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you don't. Yeah. Crap as a kid. No, I was going to say, that's like, when you're pure. I don't like you. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> when you go around telling people, I'm never speaking to you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't like you, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's our advice. Just act like a four-year-old yeah. in your office and should, that should go fine. Um, I went to this talk once at a university and the president of the university was speaking. Like a college mm-hmm. student was like, if you could pick your best piece of career advice down to one sentence, like what would it be? Which anybody who gets asked that question is like, well, that's kind of impossible. So she, I thought she did a good job answering it, but she basically told her, don't take things so personal. And you could tell that everyone's heads kind of exploded because it's like, Okay, great advice on paper, really hard in reality. But I think that is her point a lot Mm -hmm. is what we were talking earlier about like the preoccupation. Maybe just like don't overthink, don't assume the worst. And that's another thing. I think people, when you get the feeling that someone doesn't like you, instead of like addressing it, you do Mm -hmm. preoccupy it. Mm -hmm. Like you do think about it instead of right away saying, you know, your response in there was a little like lukewarm. Like, was it not clear what, you know, the report I just gave or whatever it is. Instead, the assumption is almost always bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder how much of that, like, assumed, like, yeah, dread like me or not, (laughs) or did I do something that, I don't know, crossed them in some sort of way is just like ambiguity. You don't know what someone's thinking. So a lot of it probably could be cleared up if you just communicate with them. Yep. Yeah, instead of like tallying all the microaggressions, you're like walking down the hall and mm-hmm. they don't maybe say hi as warmly or something. <laughs> you're like, <gasps> yes, that's definitely possible that people are tallying up microaggressions in their head <laughs> that aren't happening. So I know that everyone probably wants to know like, okay, what should we be doing instead of focusing on this? So let's play another piece from Alicia because she actually had some really good advice on what to focus on instead of likability. And it's with some very incredible female leaders. So it's worth the listen. 
I interviewed Mindy Grossman, who had been at the Home Shopping Network and had done the turnaround over there, now at Weight Watchers. And she was very focused on self-awareness, right? That she had learned in one of those 360 sessions that the impact she was having on people who worked for her was not always what she imagined it was, that she likes to get to the point very quickly. And so in meetings, she would sort of both ask the question and then offer the solution. And once the boss offers the solution, there was no room for anyone else to jump in. So once she had some self-awareness about that, she was able to shift into asking people for materials for the meeting in advance, you know, setting people up to succeed around the way that she manages. So I think self-awareness is really important. And then really over-communicating with the people you work with about why things are important, yeah. why projects have to be done when they're done, why they have to be done the way that they're done. Sometimes we assume it's obvious to everyone else. It's not always. And And those questions, you know, am I being self-aware? Have I been clear in my intent? Have I communicated with everyone else why this is important? Those questions, those are questions you might actually get answers to as opposed to asking, does everyone like me? So I really love those tips because self-awareness and clarity are things people can do today. Mm -hmm. I actually really liked the self-awareness tip that Mindy gave to Alicia because I do feel like self-awareness is sometimes people lack it a little bit. They're constantly kind of looking at what other people are doing, but you know, you have the most control over your own Mm -hmm. actions. Yeah. And I think that's what I was going to say too, is that those are the two things that you can control. You know, uh, you can't really control at the end of the day whether someone likes you or not, but you can control how aware you are of yourself. And like, you could even, it's a way to check yourself too, where you're like, why am I calling this being like, what am I doing? Yeah. Do I have a purpose in this? Or is it like, am I being petty right now by sending this email? And maybe it's like a check too. Yeah. So it's like, that's what you can control. Right. And clarity, as you mentioned, it's something about a meeting. Like, remember we interviewed someone once and she said, mm-hmm. my job is not to be liked, it's to be fair. And I actually think clarity is a really good tool to be that, mm-hmm. to, to be a person who's really fair and not necessarily preoccupied with being liked. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, after this quick break, we'll go over our three tips for letting go of the need to be liked. Now for something you'll really like at work. I wanted to take a minute to talk about Acuity Scheduling, your new 24-7 assistant that works behind the scenes to fill your calendar and take hours of work off your plate. How? Let me tell you. Stop exchanging endless emails and let your clients come directly to you. Acuity Scheduling software allows you to share your real-time calendar with your clients in an instant. It allows incoming clients to self-book appointments, reschedule with a click, and even pay online. Acuity has lots of features, but the one I want to highlight today is their customizable intake forms. Enter a meeting with all the information you need by asking customers to fill out forms prior to your booking time. Keep all the pertinent information neat, tidy, and centralized in one easy-to-find place. Ugh, I love it. Acuity keeps you and your client up to date and informed with text and email reminders to dramatically decrease frustrating no-shows. Give yourself a digital assistant with Acuity today. Save yourself the drudgery of having to keep up with your clients while managing your own busy schedule by using Acuity Scheduling. 
For a limited time, you can get 45 days of Acuity scheduling absolutely free. No credit card required. You just have to go to acuityscheduling.com backslash females. That's acuityscheduling backslash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. All right, now let's get back to the show. So now we know the unimportance of being liked at work. But how do you actually, I don't know, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Now what? Yeah. (laughs) So we've actually put together three tips to overcome the sort of need to be liked at work. The first one is to know when to turn away from likability. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. And I think that is kind of performing a gut check with yourself or, or sometimes your gut even performs it for you. These are the moments where likability is overcoming your, like your beliefs, what your you values. think is right, your values. Yeah. 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 I feel like this is like, I've experienced this on just a very small level where sometimes I'll be talking to like, you know, like small talk to a stranger and they'll be like, yeah, I love this movie. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, I, I haven't <laughs> seen that in years. Like, yeah. I don't care about that at all. Like, why did I agree? Like in that circumstance, it doesn't really matter. I think it's just you're trying to be like, I mean, liked really. Right. But in, if you take that sort of mentality into the workplace, like I don't actually. I actually think it happens this. more at the workplace. Yeah. Yeah, I feel definitely. like you're more likely at the workplace to just agree with mm-hmm. somebody because mm-hmm. you're like, like this is small talk on like, uh, you know, on steroids kind mm-hmm. of thing because yeah. you have to see these people all the time. You have to work with them. But also your performance could be impacted by this person. We haven't really touched on like the power dynamic of this too. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be liked by the person, I guess, who has the ability to make decisions about your career too, mm-hmm. which is actually a really good segue into So Alicia also has this really good advice on how you can actually interact with your boss on this during these times of when you're not sure if like, is this like ability taking over? Or also sometimes I think this happens with women too, where they are given the feedback that is like, well, we just didn't see you as management material. It's like very Mm loosey-goosey. So let's listen to what she had to say. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated, right? It would be really easy, I think, to say the way you get over it is you yeah. just stop caring and you do you. Right. <laughs> and at work, it's a little bit more complicated. I think one of the things we need to do is really shift away from critical subjective feedback, which is most of the feedback that women get, which is very often a reflection of your boss's opinion of you and opinion of your style more than your actual results. Right. So for those of us who are managers who do give feedback, rather than focusing on a woman's style, connect that style to the results, right? It's one thing to say you're really indecisive. Okay. It's another thing to say, I appreciate that you were really deliberate in your decision-making process. Sometimes that slows things down. Like we didn't have this project delivered when we promised it to the client because you were dragging your feet on making a series of decisions. That's more helpful, right? right, Than being told that you're indecisive. And then for those of us who are receiving that feedback, there was an executive coach I interviewed for the likability trap. Her name is Katerina Castula, and I am in her debt because she has what I think is one of the most functional ways of combating this, which is when you're in a feedback session or review and you're told whatever it is, that you're too aggressive, that you're not aggressive enough, that you ask compared to whom? Oh, yeah. Simple question, Mm -hmm. you know, easy to ask and that it forces the person who's giving you that feedback to consider whether or not they would give it to someone else on the team or specifically whether or not they'd give it to a man on the team. And a follow-up question to that is to ask that person how 
that behavior or how that style impacts your results. And you may get a great answer out of that. It it may be that your style is impacting the work and then it's helpful to know that. It may also just be that that person has an opinion of you that's really not relevant to your work or to what you produce. Yeah, I think that's a great tool to know when to turn away from like likability. And she's right. People who do mm-hmm. ask usually ask follow-up questions in feedback. It feels like no matter what you say after someone gives you feedback, it's defensive. It, it just like for whatever reason, it's like the fact that you even open your mouth comes across like that. So the fact that you can say compared to whom and they have to come up with real examples, I think is really helpful because it might help check their bias too. Maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't realize that, you know, your communication style isn't really their their favorite, but that actually has nothing to do with your performance. And that's ultimately, I think what we're trying to get at too, is like people should be allowed to have other communication styles and whether you like them or not, it should be at least something you are taking into consideration versus just being like, I don't like her. And also it's okay to not like everybody like that. I think we should also make that point. Like not everyone in this universe is going to like everyone, but there is a difference between respecting them and hearing them out and providing enough feedback so they can actually do something with that. It feels terrible to have people give you feedback on your personality. And I think that also removes that because I think kind of what we were talking about earlier where people qualify we're like this isn't a personal nothing yeah, personal against God. you but <laughs> here's personal things about you where it's like this I just don't like your personality like no it's not personal it's absolutely professional yeah so it's like <laughs> if you have evidence to support like well because you didn't you know deliver any of these projects it's like okay yeah that's not personal <laughs> like legitimate okay fact. yeah I, yeah I, I messed that one up <laughs> yeah yeah so I feel like it's such a cop-out sometimes when people do give that feedback and it's like remember this is not about you and it's like okay well I'm the only one performing this job <laughs> and I'm the only one that's me so I'll try not to make it personal but um, yeah yeah I think just asking any questions in terms of getting clarification will probably help you figure out if it's just needing to be liked or it's legitimate right. uh, feedback. Right. Yeah. Which kind of brings us to our next tip, which is to hone your interpersonal skills. And this means honing the skills that make you essentially a great communicator. This is like verbal written communication. This is like your body language, your tone, your tone, yeah. all those passive aggressive things we mentioned earlier. Because I think if you strengthen those interpersonal skills and especially your empathy skills, you'll know whether you actually did something that was offensive to other people in your workplace, or maybe you're just lacking that self-awareness, you know? Yeah. But if you're like in check with that, it's a lot easier to be like, I know I came from a very good place and tried my best to not, I don't know, cross anyone in the break room today. (laughs) So we actually have I'm going to do a shameless plug because I worked really hard on this too. But um, we created a course all about interpersonal skills and improving them. It's called Interpersonal Communication 101. So it's a really great intro course, except we don't at this time have any higher level courses, I guess. But <laughs> There's it, is our it is our 101 and it's our pride and joy. Um, <laughs> right. They're all our children. <laughs> yeah. But that one's our favorite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that one's the most likable. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, but we'll, I guess, link to that in the show notes. Yeah. There's a lot of great resources within that workbook where we teach you how to do a self-evaluation. We focus on like 12 skills in particular yeah. and what you can do depending on where you are at with your skills. I think bottom line too with this tip is that 
these are skills that can be improved upon. So mm-hmm. if you are someone who is listening to this and you're kind of feeling like, hey, maybe I am not the best communicator. Maybe I do need to check my tone. Like these are all skills that you can work on. And there are tips without having to like turn yourself inside out, without having to have this preoccupation. And if you can learn some of these new yeah. skills, you can definitely adapt it to your style. Yeah, definitely. So our third and final tip is this, put an end to people pleasing. And I know people pleasing has become like a new buzzword, but essentially a people pleaser is someone who's afraid to tell someone no and fear of them not liking them. A people pleaser will sacrifice their own wants, needs, and desires in exchange for making someone else happy. Something my mom always says is that there's nothing nice about putting your own needs last. And I always try to remember that because I think it's a good tip that like when you are putting someone else ahead of you and you think you're, you know, again, making them happy and like you, you're probably not. Mm -hmm. And also you're definitely not communicating or presenting yourself in a way that is teaching people or training people how they can treat you. So I think what happens is like people become people pleasers or they kind of naturally maybe are that. And then they're upset that people take advantage Mm -hmm, of them. mm -hmm. And it's like, but you've kind of trained people to know that you don't push back. And yes, is it on them to to not take advantage of that? Okay, that's a whole other episode. But Mm -hmm. going back to we can control ourselves and it's a good place to start with us. Yeah. And I think it also just breeds a lot of resentment internally. And when you're like, why am I doing all this stuff? Or you feel resentful towards your teammates in some sort of way. And it's because you're not being authentic. Like, and that's really draining if you're like, I don't actually believe this, but I'm doing this every day in my job. That'll cause some serious, like actual health problems, probably. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like you're just keeping so much to yourself that it's it's not good. It's only negative. Yeah. That energy is going to come out somehow. Yeah. Like you're going <laughs> to blow up. just going to come into the office one day and be like, that's it. Yeah, quit. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't know where this yeah, is Yeah, exactly. From. No, that is what happens. It's yeah. like when someone's like, they just randomly quit just and the, the person's limit. like, I had no, there were no signs of that. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> there probably were. I think yeah. it's also that really simple thing of what you learn from maybe your parents when you have your first bad partner or something. It's that you ultimately teach people how to treat you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is like day one. No, that's even before day one in the office. That's like in your interview setting. Yes. Yeah. If yeah. you let the hiring manager arrive 15 minutes late and you're like, no, it's fine. It's everything's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And that just ends up ballooning. Right. People pleasing also, like we think of it as like doing work for others and stuff like that. But it can also be like taking the blame for others or making excuses on behalf and kind of throwing yourself under the bus. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is putting yourselves in the in a negative situation immediately. Right. <laughs> and you're definitely going to harness some resentment yeah, for exactly. that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, let's recap. So our three takeaway tips are number one, know when to turn away from likability. Number two, hone your interpersonal skills. And number three, put an end to people-pleasing. Next up, we hear from you and solve your problems. Welcome to Dear Career Contessa, the part of the show where we answer your questions. Remember, if you have a career question, you can submit it to us via direct message on at Career Contessa on Instagram, email us info at careercontessa.com, or leave us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. All of that information is included in the show notes as well. Let's hear today's question, which came in as a voicemail. Hi, Lauren. Uh, My name's Brittany, and I currently work in fundraising and marketing for a mid-sized nonprofit, um, and I now serve as a director in a department of one, essentially. So 
lately, upper management and leadership have not necessarily been including me in meetings, high-level decision-making, or discussions that often include peers that are at the same level or above as me. In addition, there's been some management training that has been made available to, again, everyone else in the office. I've been challenged by this because I'm still early on in my career and I'm finding you know, that I have to be a leader because of my promotion. So really, I want these opportunities in order to learn and soak up all of this experience to better serve the organization and advance my career. So my challenge is how do I advocate for myself and ask my supervisor to be included in these trainings and these meetings and these discussions without coming across as entitled? And I don't want to come across that way. Thanks. I just love this question. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that this question, Brittany, just, you know, (laughs) doesn't back up. (laughs) And thank you for the question is that on this podcast and like a lot of things we do at Career Contessa, we're like, try to connect what you want to the company's goals. And this is sort of like Mm -hmm. a good example of that. But besides that, how do you advocate for yourself? So let's, that's her, Mm -hmm. her general question. First off, I feel for her in terms of like, I don't know, especially if everyone around you is going into it and you're like, why is everyone getting up? And then they're also having like a high level meeting of some sort. Like that is a nightmare situation to be in. And also I totally understand not wanting to advocate for yourself because you're like, I don't want to come off as entitled or like I deserve this when sounds like she really does deserve it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like she was willing to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. when they needed someone to take on this management or leadership Mm -hmm. level role. We're probably doing the thing that we just said not to do too. Like, let's actually assume that this isn't a bad thing. Like, mm-hmm. I guess we should start with that, which is like, let's assume that the reason why they're leaving you out is because they're going to do some other training with you yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So like, I do think part of this it goes back to the preoccupation, right? Or like yeah. assuming the worst. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I would you all say that the, <laughs> the first step she should take is talking to someone who's, I don't know, organizing these meetings or... Presumably a higher up manager of some sort. For sure. And just having a one-one and like, what are these? (laughs) I absolutely think she should talk to her manager. And I think this is where those interpersonal skills become Mm -hmm. super important because it's all about tone and delivery. Like, I think being entitled or at least coming across like you're entitled happens a lot with your delivery. Don't come in and be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. (laughs) Slam the door. Slam the door. And they go, that's a department you're not even in. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) They're like, actually, they're learning like this training that you... Those are our interns. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. So this is one of those examples too where like if you overreact, Mm -hmm. then you... Like that will be burned in your memory forever. Silly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to want to abdicate. But I think also, yes. So the bottom line is I think you should have a conversation with your manager and come at it from like a really friendly place. I also feel like sometimes when you are coming to these conversations, less is more. Like you don't mm-hmm. need to go deep into this mm-hmm. explanation of like, well, I saw all these other people going in, but I don't know what they're doing. But I like... Just yeah. just like simplify and just say, I noticed there's been some management trainings lately and I, I wanted to make sure is this something that I should be a part of uh, and then like let them answer. Mm-hmm. And then I think if it is the case that you're being intentionally left out or maybe unintentionally left out of some meetings that you should be a part of, like that's where you have to start bringing in evidence of your work or why you should be there or yeah. I guess it is wrong if that's the case that she's not in there, but you always just have to have the evidence to, again, take emotion out of it in a way like for a little bit yeah and say like well here's i've done this and this so i deserve to be here and that's 
directly advocating for yourself. Right. I do think, like you said, I think leading with this notion of I want to be able to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I'm not being included for whatever reason, I can't do these things. Right. And I really want to. Right. I, and it's to the benefit of the organization. Yeah. I also, going back to Alicia's advice, if the person gives you really vague feedback, like push a little bit mm -hmm. more and, and be prepared to potentially say, thanks so much for the feedback. You know, I, I'm not sure I'm totally catching on to what you're saying or can you compare to whom or can you provide mm -hmm. me an example and again I think the tone and the delivery and having this very like curious driven point mm -hmm. of view versus this like gotcha moment kind yeah, of vibe yeah that's not going to go over well. People get real, like, talk about defensive. Yeah, and... that coming across like that. I'm kind of with you, Kaylee. I'm a, a little suspicious. It's like, but also, that's so mean. Yeah. So, I guess also, this is a note to managers like, employees are aware of this kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. if you are leaving one person out of something, communicate with them. Yeah. What if it is this totally like innocent reason, mm -hmm. but you just didn't communicate? Yeah. Like maybe they are just like, oh, we, we think you're great. We think you've you you don't it need all. the training. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about you is awesome. <laughs> you're getting a promotion, actually. <laughs> yeah, thanks no. for speaking up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I I do like that she's bringing up the fact that she is a leader and she wants to learn to advocate for herself. Going back to like you teach people how to treat you, like advocating for yourself is and actually we have a whole chapter in our mm -hmm. upcoming book power moves that is all about advocating for yourself because self-advocacy is i do think it's a bit of a muscle and i feel like it yeah. gets stronger the more you do it i actually always recommend to people like start advocating for something small mm -hmm. teach people to say yes to you start with the small stuff and then work your way up yeah i mean even like writing a cover letter or something like it feels so uncomfortable at yeah. first because you're like i am this yeah. i am blah blah and yeah. it's like oh so Old, it yeah. Seems like, but I think also in a way to kind of pay it forward is to advocate for people on your That's a team good point. Mm -hmm. because it'll probably be reciprocated. And also, it's just nice, and you understand that feeling of how yeah. maybe uncomfortable it is at first to advocate for yourself. But if you have your teammate who knows your work and knows how you are, like saying, "Oh, she did a great job on this project" or whatever, yeah. Like, that's huge. And just to add on to that, make sure you're advocating in front of their boss yeah. or like the people who have influence mm -hmm. because saying something just to that person, awesome, mm -hmm. great. Even better if you want to take it up and not just saying it in front of other people. Yeah, definitely. I think they'll appreciate and you're creating good karma. Start. And again, it's all about the energy. That's <laughs> what we get back to. <laughs> Start flexing your advocacy yeah. muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all about the energy i love that <laughs> we're gonna start manifesting yeah. self-advocacy forget all of this yeah <laughs> research don't worry about that just yeah. focus on your energy <laughs> well thank you for listening to this episode of the females if you like what you heard especially if you're liking this new format please leave us a review and let us know and then please subscribe you'll never miss an episode we absolutely love hearing from you all as well and we also mentioned our interpersonal communication course earlier in this episode and we linked to that course in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out and speaking of likability at work liking yourself is the most important piece of it Check out our self-love at work worksheet to begin practicing likability on yourself today. And thank you to our expert, Alicia Menendez, author of The Likeability Trap. You can find more information about Alicia in the show notes, as well as a link to her book, The Likeability Trap.